Hey folks, we're so glad you're listening to our podcast. This is our sermon from September 12th, 2021. It's entitled New Beginnings as we kick off our fall theme that will guide us through this season of New Beginnings as we reflect on the ways in which God is calling us as individuals and also as a community of faith in new ways of living and being in the world and in our lives. We are starting back on the narrative lectionary and so would certainly encourage you to listen to the other podcast we've posted recently that's an introduction to the Hebrew scriptures or what we know as the Old Testament uh, and the narrative lectionary with Reverend Dr. Amanda Miller earlier this week. But the narrative lectionary starts in Genesis and then traces its way through the, the entire Bible over the course of the year. This fall, we'll be moving through the Old Testament scriptures, and then at Christmas, we'll switch to the New Testament and begin with the birth of Jesus and move through the New Testament in the spring. will give us a chance to kind of figure out a little bit better this the grand arc, the grand story of scripture. Today's text is based on Genesis 1-1 through 2-4a. If you'd like to find out more about our church, or the series, head on over to www.williamsburgbaptist.com. Would also love for you to reach out if you're interested. You can send me an email at pastor at williamsburgbaptist.com. Would love to hear that you're listening and get to know you a little bit better. Uh, it's certainly still a strange season with the pandemic, and so we're, e- we're eager to get to know you even if you are unable or don't feel safe to attend in person right now. But we're really glad you're listening. Hope this sermon is helpful for you in your own spiritual life and is helpful for thinking about the ways in which God calls us into partnership in this ongoing act of creation in the world. God bless you this week. Take care. Before the financial crisis hit in 2008, A New Yorker by the name of Tony Hillary was living large. He wore Prada suits and ran a limousine company in the city. And you can imagine that in New York City, of all places, this was a lucrative career. But when the financial crisis happened, everything came crashing down. Money stopped coming in, his business dried up, and he felt like he was too old to simply start over from scratch. I came across his story a couple of weeks ago via a photography project that some of you all may have heard of called Humans of New York on social media. Tony tells his story like this, and it's slightly edited for brevity and also because he has a very colorful way with language. I'll be glad to share it on social media in its entirety later. This is what Tony said. He says, my wife would come home from work and find me still in my pajamas, reading magazines and newspapers. This was in August when school really starts to crank back up. So I kept seeing these articles about underfunded schools. No art, no gym, no music. My kids went to private school, so these conditions were hard for me to imagine. So one morning I got on the subway and took it to 135th Street in Harlem. I couldn't have been more arrogant, he said. I walked through the doors of the first elementary school I could find. I asked for the principal and said, I'm here to break the cycle of poverty. She assigned me to the lunchroom, and that's where I started volunteering for five days a week. 
I was just going to table to table talking to the kids. They gravitated towards me. They listened to me. They called me Mr. Tony. And even though I had nothing to give to them, nothing to promise, they acted like I was Santa Claus. Each of them reminded me of my own kids. So when I learned that almost half of them were living in homeless shelters, that drove me crazy. It tore me up. I was looking for some way to help. Across the street from the school was an old community garden that had been abandoned. It was full of junk, car over here, engine over there. The kids called it the haunted garden because it was nothing but cats and rats and scary old people. So I contacted the parks department, I did the paperwork, I got the license and the key, and then I started hauling away the junk, one piece at a time. Over the course of six weeks, kids kept asking me what I planned to do, but I had no idea. Then one, one morning, a little girl tugged on my shoulder. A little thing with glasses so big. Her name was Nevea, heaven spelled backwards. And she said, Mr. Tony, why don't we plant something? Hmm. Let's push pause on Mr. Tony's story for just a minute. We'll come back to it. But if you're following along, we're looking at Genesis 1-1, the very beginning. When God began to create the heavens and the earth, the earth was without shape or form. It was dark over the deep sea, and God's wind swept over the waters. I've noticed something curious the last few times that I've read these verses in the last few years that I didn't notice in my younger years. I'm wondering if any of you heard it. God is not creating the world out of nothing in this story. It's not creation ex nihilo. It's not creation from nothing. Genesis says the earth was without shape or form, a chaotic, primordial canvas just waiting for a divine artist to begin painting. And so God's wind or ruach, breath, blows over the deep chaos waters of the deep. And it's as if God recognizes the potential goodness just waiting to be unlocked from the watery depths. And so God sets to work birthing something new, creating order and beauty and goodness in the midst of the chaos. Day one, God creates light, and it is good, and God separates the light from darkness. And there was evening and morning the first day. Day two, God creates a dome in the midst of the waters, separating the waters above from the waters below. We talked a little bit about that last week. When the flood will come, water comes from above and below. But these waters below will eventually become oceans and lakes and rivers and streams. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. As we read on through the chapter, we should get a sense of the poetry of it, the poetic repetition of certain phrases, the careful arrangement of pieces of the story in groups of threes, sixes, and sevens that give a rhythm to it as we read, hinting at the power of the divine word to bring order to all of creation. Day three is where it gets really interesting, in my opinion. Once there is dry land, God says, let the earth grow plant life. Plants yielding seeds and fruit trees bearing fruit with seeds inside it, each according to its kind throughout the earth. And lo and behold, that's what happens. 
The earth produces life, plants produce seeds, and trees begin to bear fruit. And this is what I think is crucial to notice in today's text. It's not God, maybe surprisingly, bending down and starting to plant seeds or trees in the earth, but rather God invites the earth itself to become an active participant in the process of creation. It's as if God empowers the earth itself to put forth vegetation and life. The earth, which is bursting with creative potential, which God beckons forth. From the very beginning of today's text, God's way of creating, on the one hand, is big and powerful. But on the other hand, we see God as God creates in Genesis, that God also makes space for other beings to exercise their own creative process in the midst of all of this creation. Day four, God creates two great lights in the dome of the sky, the sun and the moon and the stars as well. At this point, we as modern readers might be tempted to think, didn't God already create light on the first day, and now God is just creating the sun and the moon and the stars? And here again, we have a good reminder that the storyteller is writing poetically, not necessarily what we would understand today as history or science. The intention is not to describe exactly how the origin of earth and life happened, so much as to say something meaningful and beautiful and poignant about who God is and what it means to be part of God's good creation. Day five, God says, Let the waters swarm with living things. Let birds fly above the earth. Then God blessed them. Be fertile and multiply and fill the waters and the seas. And let the birds multiply on the earth. Day six, let the earth produce every kind of living thing, livestock, crawling things, wildlife. Once again, on both of these days, we see that God is vitally involved in the process of creation. But once again, God also offers invitation to the waters and to the earth to be creative, to bring forth new life as well. And the creatures in the waters and the birds in the sky are invited to become co-creators as well. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the waters. It's as if God gets the ball rolling, but then says, You continue the creative process that I've started. You create life in the way that you're able, and the way that you're empowered to do so by me. Finally, on the sixth day, God creates humans. And I got to say, by the way, if you're ever tempted to feel a little bit prideful about our place in the cosmos as humans, I find it helpful to remember that God created us on the same day as cows and platypuses and naked mole rats. It should keep us humble at the very least. But God says to humans, be fertile and multiply, fill in the earth and master it. Care for it. Take charge of the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, and everything crawling on the ground. Doctors Amy Robertson and Robert Williamson Jr. suggest that from the very beginning, 
God is a God who seeks out partnerships with creation, with humanity, and invites others to join in in this work of creation as well. Be fruitful and multiply. Establish your dominion and care over the earth. Flip over to Genesis 2 sometime, and it's humans that will name the animals, tend gardens, create messes, give birth, and eventually establish the beginnings of civilization. And lastly, God rests on day seven. A reminder to all of us that rest is an essential part of life. And at some point we have to step back, step back from our work and our creation and simply enjoy the goodness of what we have created. It all starts here. Our understanding of God, our understanding of the world and our very selves. There are a thousand sermons in this one text, maybe a million, but here's what I think is a vital word for us today in Williamsburg in September of 2021. God invites humanity. It may come as a surprise, but God invites humanity, all of us, into the ongoing act of creation. God empowers us to be creative for the good of all creation. Artists painting, authors writing, musicians playing, poets, woodworkers, lovers, builders, gardeners, and bakers, students creating new friend groups on campuses, writing papers, producing new and imaginative ideas. God knows we need creativity in the world these days. Not only artists and writers, but scientists who create vaccines. Politicians who imagine new ways to bridge the gap in partisan politics between right and left. Peacemakers who continue to find ways to heal the wounds of 9-11 and Afghanistan and Israel and Palestine. Courageous teachers who conceive of new ways to educate and empower their students. And people who develop creative solutions to help us confront the worst of climate change and help us usher in a world that will thrive into the future. Folks, the world needs your creativity. We need people who realize that we are not merely creatures, but rather are empowered as co-creators in the divine work in the world, who tap into the essence of what it means to be human, to be made in the image of God, and unleash goodness in the world. Creativity gives us all an opportunity for a new beginning. Back to Mr. Tony for a minute. Mr. Tony created a garden he bought a dump truck full of gardening soil and went to Home Depot and bought herbs. And Nevaeh's kindergarten class helped plant the first seedlings. It wasn't much at first, but the more they experimented, the more they learned. If something they planted died, they planted something else or planted it in a new spot. They began to learn about worms and the other creatures that inhabited the garden. They began to learn something about food systems. Mr. Tony noticed that there were 55 fast food restaurants in the neighborhood that they lived in, but not one supermarket. 
and so they started growing vegetables together. Students from the school came to work in the garden. They take nature walks together. They started composting, and the kids began to take ownership of the garden, perhaps none more than Nevaeh herself. This was in 2011. Fast forward 10 years. The organization is now a nonprofit called Harlem Grown. You can look it up on Google later, it's fascinating. Mr. Tony has expanded from one to 12 urban farms. 6,000 pounds of organically grown food has been distributed in the community for free. Nevaeh's mother is now the agricultural director of the farms. And by most every measure, Nevaeh herself, who is now 16, is thriving, and she is not the only one. In a community where the weight of poverty presses down on children from their birth, Mr. Tony can't help but notice these days how kids seem to come alive when they come into the gardens that he's created. <laughs> Looking back, he says, I was such an arrogant bleepity bleep when I first came here. I was unhealthy, I was 52 pounds heavier, I was depressed, my entire life was about things and money. I was doing it all wrong. Yet I came to this school thinking I knew all the answers. I thought I was going to fix these kids. Enter creativity. Enter new life. Lo and behold, creativity inevitably gives birth to more creativity. And it makes us all the better for it. Folks, I don't know what your gift is. Well, I know some of you, what your gift is. I'm not going to call out names this morning, although I was tempted to. But you are all creative in your own right. So it's time to put your creative hats on and get ready to get your hands dirty. Whether with paint or with a pen or words or garden soil, we all have something to contribute. The world is our canvas. Yes, it's chaotic at times, but it's waiting for someone to come along and create something new and beautiful and good. So let's roll up our sleeves and get to work, okay? Who's ready? Who's with me? See a few hands. We're jumping in this together. Thanks be to the God who creates all and invites us all into the process of creation as well. Amen.